0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers Podcast, the podcast that can tell the Rangers result just from the sieve This week on Heart and Hand, and this is what they're like after one Rangers one. One. <laughs> So, welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, and I am your host, as always. But I'm joined this week by two of my favourite podders, my A-team, if you will, because it's, first of all, Mr Andy McGowan.
1: Hello, David. Hello, listeners.
0: And Mr Alex Staff. Good evening, all. So, lads, let's get right to it. Um, Scottish football is in meltdown because Rangers have won and their fans are apparently rampaging through the streets of Ayrshire like uh, angry Visigoths on, uh, on tour. And it's as if it's never went away, Andy.
1: It's getting predictable. Now, it's actually getting so predictable that it's water off a duck's back to me personally, and I think most of the range of support are starting to just become relatively immune to it. It's just uh, a, a, a tsunami, a double standards hypocrisy. Willful, willful ignorance and uh, undeniable bias. So uh, you, you, it's just a tidy kind of stem. Um, it's become so ridiculous, actually, I think, that people can see through it. Any, any reasonable person can see through it, and if you can't see through it, you are one of the problem people, <laughs> so to speak.
2: Alex? I would agree with that. I'm actually just really, really looking forward to how it's going to ramp up. Um, you know as you pointed out win-win um, a last minute win against Kelly when everybody thought ah same old Rangers as last season dropping points away at Rugby Park can't handle it anymore they had, they had the headlines just waiting didn't they they did about how uh, Gerard hadn't improved you know the team hadn't improved etc etc we get the win um and uh, yes um, as i said the closer and closer we get to 55 i just i can't wait it's it's almost like a social experiment i want to see exactly what happens because there's no other no other country in the world where it would have been this nuts
0: no, and and this is why I, uh, like Andy said, I'm I'm just a little bored of it, and it's why I don't really pay it that much attention anymore. Um, call it numbness if you like, uh, or irritation, fatigue, is probably uh, another way of putting it. Um, years ago, when this stuff would start in the media, and you know I was in the trust, and we would fight back against it, and the argument would go, and it would be a ding dong. And over the last few years, I've taken a step back, and I've thought. What are we fighting against? Because nobody is neutral. You know, there are no neutrals out there. We I, I think we used to assume that that's who we were trying to, to get this out to. There are people in Scotland who love us, and there are people in Scotland who hate us. And that's pretty much it, you know. Um, there are, I'm sure, people who manage to get through their life without caring about football at all. And best of luck to them. Probably more sane than the rest of us. But... It's exactly the same stuff. Um, lonely Bill Leckie, our old friend, um, <laughs> managed to, to stop running through the rain and he's converse and smart shut for, for 20 minutes or so to pen an article he's written 9,000 times about how Rangers are all horrible proddy bastards and the world should hate them. He's got that in the, in the chamber. It's loaded and ready to be fired. And these articles come out when Rangers win because they've got to put a negative slant on it because they have so abased themselves in the eyes of the Rangers support that they don't have that as an audience anymore. So their audience tend to come from one support in the main, or at least from supports who have bitten into this, who've fed into the whole Rangers bad mentality of the last decade. But now I'm of the opinion of let them, right? They're not going to like us. They're not going to change their mind. But with the best will in the world, screw them. It doesn't matter, it's about us You've got your options to get your media From us, from the club, from other Rangers content Ignore them I mean, they, they, they're they not going to change And when they start up With their Symphony of Simple moronicness Then just simply go, you know what, fine Knock yourselves out, oh aye aye They're the singing and stuff You see it at the weekend, Celtic fans unfurl a banner uh, Containing a certain word nothing met- Not even mentioned about it Rangers fans sing a song with the same word, everyone goes mental, it's the end of the world, why don't we, why do we put up with this, whether Alba, somebody put the children inside, you know, all this shit. And I'm just like, (laughs) you don't care, these people, Leck, etc., they don't care, they've never cared about sectarianism or, it's never been an issue to them. It's just, who do I need to hit with a stick to get a paycheck? And currently it's Rangers. So if you're a Rangers fan, laugh at them, give them the fingers, enjoy the win, and move on. Don't let them upset you. They're trying to upset you. Get about with your life as it is. And that's not to say we're not going to look at things that happened at the end of the game yesterday. Andy was there. Andy, of course, is the convener of the fun bus. And (laughs) we will um, get his take on what was a worrying situation for supporters outside the ground. But... Unlike the majority of the Scottish media, we actually do care about the game of football, so let's get into that. Alex, um, wasn't a great performance. It really wasn't. Uh, Let's, cards on the table here. But I think the significance of this victory could be enormous because you've already touched on it. This is not a result Rangers proved themselves capable of pulling off last season. And by that, I mean... Uh, playing badly and winning, we we didn't do that very often. Rangers had to play well to get three points last year. That was, I think, one of the problems. If we dropped to um, sixty seventy percent, we tended to drop points, and we couldn't win at Kilmarnock Full stop. So psychologically, to lose that late goal, which I think because of the scar tissue of last season, the last few seasons, we were as a support centre going, they're going to score, they're going to score. There, I knew it, I knew it. This is what always happened, and then they managed to flip the script.
2: It was nice to see. Um, you,
0: you take those little
2: moments when, when you get a setback, that's what you look for, isn't it, is the reaction. Um, last season, I, I was trying to remember, I mean, you gentlemen may um, have a better memory of it than me, but I, I can't think of any game last season, aside from St. Johnson away, where we scored a late winner. We scored late goals, but none that were turning 1.93, um, aside from that St. Johnson game where we came back from 1-0 down in the second half and they scored the two it, it didn't happen very often and it was a legitimate question because hell even Mark Warburton's team was capable of that right <laughs> and um, that's you know teams do it normally over the course of a season and the teams that are at the top of the league and, and tend to need to do it find ways to do it and we weren't able to do that so that was the biggest positive the performance itself yeah, I think if it hadn't came hot in the heels of, of progress away, where we rather went through the motions, we might not have been quite as negative about it. But um, I'm willing to to slightly overlook it because somehow Kelly have managed to relay their pitch and make it even worse. Yeah, well, well done to them. I didn't expect that. I don't know how that happened. Um, and it slowed the game right down, uh, suited them, because obviously they spent the vast majority of the match 30 yards away from their own goal. Every every player behind it, and it was easier to play that way than it was for us to try and move the ball quickly and, and get through them. So, um, yeah, this was one of those wins where <laughs> one of those games, David, uh, and I said this on, on the day. We, we all say, "Oh, we'll take a, a rubbish
0: win every time as long as we get the win." We threw sure this hell to like living through it, though, do we? No, there's, it's not a fun ninety minutes. Uh, well, that's unfair. Actually, I thought it was a fun forty-five. Um, the problem. For me, Andy, wasn't the first half. Rangers weren't fantastic, but we controlled the game. We took the game over. And to me, we built ourselves a a platform to go on and dominate the game in the second half. We had done the hard work. We'd won control of the places that mattered. But in the second half, we sort of stopped doing that. Best summed up by a moment with about 15 minutes to go where Scott Arfield, James Tavernier, and I think it was... Uh, Joe Aribo find themselves all standing together, sort of looking at each other not moving on the right hand touchline and to me Rangers just sort of forgot kind of what they were trying to do a little bit, it wasn't like we were ferociously leaping into tackles to ward them away from our goal 30 yards away from it, it wasn't that but nor were we streaming forward trying to get the, the victory, I thought Rangers for want of a better word, with about 20 minutes to go and that second half looked a little confused
1: I'm not going to try and say we played well yesterday, but what I will say is that uh, we completely controlled the game, uh, and I think, and this is only my opinion, I may be completely wrong here, but I thought going into the last twenty minutes, because there was a wee bit of discontent in our end um, at the fact that we were kind of taking the foot off the pedal and sitting on the lead. I think we were waiting for them to come out, and they weren't coming out. And the fact, the fact that Jordan Jones and Stewart didn't come out to lay on, especially Jordan Jones, was purely down to the fact that they weren't coming out. And for as long as they weren't coming out, I don't think Gerard was sitting there saying, well, we need to take the game to I think he was waiting for the moment. They made a change. Come come out to us and it would open up things potentially for us. So I think that's where the confusion came. I did feel in the game, in the heat of the moment, we um, were uh, tempting fate. And, and it, it was proven to be the case. I thought that the wee incident you were talking about, David, there where it was Jack and Davis and somebody Jack else. Jack and were,
0: Davis. Uh, yeah, sorry, Jack, Davis said, and Tavernier.
1: Aye, you and know, they were basically doing a wee triangle between themselves without any pressure <clears throat> and, and stopped the game, in effect. I thought it was surreal. I thought it was strange. And I think that's why they were thinking, well, we're, we're on top here. You come out on on us. And that was the plan for most of the game. We were waiting for Command to come out and we were trying to be patient to, to pick them off. And really the only difference between a, a, a really comfortable when yesterday and, and the, the actual kind of scrape we got is, I think, i will be better quality in the final third. Now, I know that sounds dead obvious for any football team in any football match, but I thought Arfield more often than he should have it was lacking in his final layoff, touch, threaded ball, whatever it is, and I know that's a hard thing to do. I thought Greg Stewart would have been better suited to that kind of position yesterday. Um, I thought uh, Ojo was well off the pace and offered very little these are the kind of players that you're looking to add to a wee bit of cutting edge to that overall performance yesterday. Um, I, I, I thought, looking back now, I, mean, I said this after the game yesterday, but looking back and having watched it again last night and watched the highlights again today, I thought there was a foundation there that we should be pretty comfortable about. And it was only a matter of cutting edge. And I'm hoping that that, that comes with the players we've got or potentially with somebody else to come in.
0: Alex, uh, Andy touched upon something there, um, which was that yesterday our, our front line didn't really work. Uh, I thought Morelos, especially in the first half, did really well. I thought he battered the Kilmarnock defenders, but he didn't receive much support. Scott Arfield got the goal, but it wasn't one of his better games. I, I think Scott Arfield has come back uh tired from his exertion with Canada in the Gold Cup and we're maybe waiting on him um, getting fully back up to speed from that. Ojo, not the first player to go to that park and think, what the f- is this uh, that I've wandered onto? It's, it's the size of a postage stamp and be, it, it appears to be made out of sand and green bays. But um, neither of them really contributed much. Alfie got more and more, uh, I thought, lost a, a little bit because they were so far away from him. Something, though, that, that was a problem, but. I'm going to turn that negative into a positive as uh, they tell you to do in seminars these days and that's uh, we saw the solution to it late in the game which was I didn't like the balance of the midfield. I thought that Joe uh, Aribo was too deep far too often. I don't want to see him coming back and taking balls off the toes of of Goldson and Katic but when he pushed forward and Rangers did get the, the, the balance and maybe it was in desperation but Two shots that forced two superb stops. Already something that we can see he's got in his locker that we didn't have last season.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a bugbear for a lot of people over the course of the season because it's pretty clear um, that we are using our midfield free to shield the two centre-halves, which will allow the two full-backs to get forward and allow the forward free to stay higher up the pitch. That's supposed to be the plan. The issue being that when you're playing on a pitch that slow, and you have to get, because ultimately we want to get the ball in quick to guys like Arfield and Ojo and isolate them, you know, not not have six or seven players between them and, and the opposing goal, you know, cut that down, get them 1v1 situations and things like that. That's why the game suited Morelos a bit more than it would have somebody like Defoe, for example, um, who would have been about link-up play, whereas Morelos, being the battering Ram that he is, was loving that pitch. Because the ball was holding up everywhere and he was able just to get his body in the way and, and kind of be quite effective. Um, so, yeah, all of that is the reasons why I'm not too too critical of it yesterday. I don't feel as though the game was a fair reflection on, on how we're going to try and be. But the midfield thing is going to be an issue because we are very much using them to shield. It, it's how we finished last season. You know, with Kamara, Jack and Davis as the three. And, and none of the three are naturally... Davis more so than the others but he plays deeper now naturally attacking players now uh, they can do a job there but they're, they're mainly there to let the other five the two full backs and the and three forwards do their job so I've got a funny feeling this midfield debate is going to come up more than once David Arriba at least offers at least he offers both there was times yesterday where he was just snatching in you know just tracking back, snatching in, taking the ball off people when they
0: were trying to hit us in the break and he made it look so simple uh, yeah. He doesn't dive into tackles. He just stands up, waits for the guy to, you know, complete whatever planning and he's going to do, and then takes the ball. Yeah, It just it's something that looked so simple. It was <laughs> no? like,
2: yeah, it was. It was just too easy. And then, you know, as you say, very unlucky. The first shot, obviously, a bit of luck for it to fall to him. I thought, I actually thought he could have hit that a bit better. But the second one, he must have. He was almost wheeling away in celebration. That was a cracking save, which obviously led to the, the second goal. Um, but uh, but yeah, the. I think this is going to come up a lot. Um, We've already got people saying that, you know, um, we can't be playing both Davis and Jack in these games. We played our best football last season with the Davis-Jack-Kamara three. Um, I just think that, you know, we need to... It's hard to judge in the moment and maybe that'll prove to be the case, but... uh, Maybe yesterday was the sort of game Greg Dockett he needed to be involved in, with the way that
0: pitch was. Forget was about sur- the passing, just batter through people. i surprised not to at least really see him on the bench yesterday, if I was being ah. honest, because I, I thought we could have done with that option. As you say, somebody will just get the ball and go, right, I'm going with it, yeah. and it, it won't be pretty. And uh, What I would also offer in evidence was Jordan Jones. When he came on, I thought he did make a difference, because look, Jordan Jones is the type, he's not going to glide past players. He gets the ball and he runs at them, and quite a lot of the time the ball's going to bounce off them and go out for a throw or they're going to take it off them. I get that. But one, that forces the defence back because they know he's going to do it constantly. And secondly, um, it's when he does get through that he causes problems. And I thought that that direct play, you know, not the link up the which the better players, the Arfields and the, the Ojos will do, but I, I thought that direct, um, if you like, straightforward, a little bit more... Um, blood and toil than it is skill and insight was maybe what was needed yesterday. Andy, eh, we gave away a terrible goal, which we did. Um, Stupid free kick. The gaffer alluded to it. Uh, knocked in back post. Defense gets under it, and uh, Alfredo Morelos loses his man. Good finish from from uh, the back O'Donnell. But I will give Rangers credit from that because. I saw a few times last season, and this really disappointed me, and you know, it's on old pods folk if you want to go back and listen to it, that there were games, and I can think of a couple against Kilmarnock, that when we got to the last 10-15 minutes, even the last five of these matches, we had sort of given up, that we didn't think we were going to score, whereas yesterday we forced two great stops from the goalkeeper and get the winner. Uh, that pleased me. and. I'm not saying it would have pleased me had we not got the winner, but it, it would have in the cold light of day at least been better than I think last season the team had a tendency to meekly accept its fate that it didn't mm-hmm. yesterday.
1: That's absolutely right. Last last season uh, we, we lost belief pretty easily, to be quite honest with you. And if we lost a goal with ten minutes to go in these circumstances, like most of last season, there was no way we come back for. I mean, was it half an hour ago, the, the the first game? It come out in the first game on 2019 at look when we the they scored the second we with half an hour to do something and nothing happened. Um, but what I would say is, I think the key thing this year, and it's something I've been harking on about because me, you, Alex, we are, we are uh, old enough to remember Richard Goff challenging his fellow centre-half to a goal challenge, basically, to see how many goals in a season they could get. Um, and we've liked that. And I've always thought that if you're going to be a genuine table-challenging team, games like this can sometimes be decided by a, a, a good set-piece, a good free kick or sheer will in the box and that's what we got yesterday. We got good delivery when it counted and we got the sheer raw aggression between Cattage and Golsan which our good friend Kirk Broadfoot and Finlay could not handle and and that proved to be the winner. So I was absolutely delighted to see us score two goals that were basically set-pieces because even on Thursday against Niederkorn Um,
0: I never want to hear that name ever again (laughs)
1: Sorry (laughs) It was was just the
0: worst Game of football And I'm glad we're through and we did what we had to do And I wasn't as overtly critical as anybody else But for part of this For the site folks I have to watch the games back And that Watching that that (laughs) second time run Was appalling Especially the first 45 minutes Oh Um, and I get what what they were doing. Incidentally, they were conserving energy for the bigger game at the weekend. And Alex, I think you and I um both commented this last week where we said uh, we won't judge the the need result until the Kumalik one comes in because it was just a bit getting through. And if we get through and get three points on Sunday, then all good. Um, let's let you know let let's move on, kind of thing. Concerns though that maybe Rangers are a little bit lacking in that final third. You touched on it yourself. Um, I get the impression from Sheojo that he is a bit of a, a, a kind of mercurial player, that he's not a constantly involved a la Arfield guy. He's more the type that will spend large parts of the match not really contributing, but is capable of doing. The really special things that are hopefully the match winning things. Does that sound like a fair appraisal? Well,
2: yeah, um, at the moment it does. Um, I think that the biggest issue he's got right now is that Ryan Kent finished the season so well and he's kind of replacing him. And, um, you know, you've got all the similarities, don't you, coming in loan from Liverpool, etc. We can't seem to get Ryan Kent back as things stand. But if people really cast their mind back to the start of last season, Kent had more than a few performances as well where he seemed on the, the kind of edge of the game and it was a bit frustrating. Um you know, with him and the team, we never managed to beat Kelly in the league. So, you know, it wasn't as though um he was you know, losing him was this huge difference. He wasn't much of a goal scorer either at that stage. Um, and you kinda hoped if we were to bring him back that everything would improve that way. Ojo looks so far I've been impressed by him for the most part so far but you obviously uh, yesterday I think you were right David I don't think he had any clue what the hell was going on with that pitch um and you know it's his first taste of Scottish football really so uh, he's not going to be the first or last player to take a few games to get used to that is he um, I think he I think you described it once in one of the, the post match pods David he's going to be a player that will frustrate many people because he'll do next to nothing in a game and then pop up with an absolute peachy a goal. Um kind of what he'd done in the Progress home game mm-hmm. uh, to many extent to many uh, extents. So he's uh, yeah, I think he's he's burdened by the, the comparisons to Kent, where the you know, the Kent that we had by the end of the season was much better than the one that started it. And you have to hope that Ojo will do the same.
0: Andy, you mentioned their centre backs now, um Nico Katic got the header for Scott Arfield's goal, and then of course Conor Goldson with a brilliant header. If if you are, you know, sort of my generation, then that is what you love. It was a centre back shrugging off um, a, a, an egg fetishist twat to, I'm getting that, you know, <laughs> and when I get there, I'm going to put everything onto it. And there's no way. It, it goes right past the keeper in terms, you know, it's just too powerful. It was a great header, a good, proper old centre half, Gothian header. But um, I've been really, really impressed with Nico Katic this pre-season. And maybe, and I'll hold my hand up to this, maybe I'm one of these guys who just likes him. And I know there's a lot of Rangers fans do. But I think he's turning in really decent performances. And yesterday, again, I thought he was probably the pick of the defenders.
1: I uh, I liked Katic for the first moment I saw him. I thought he'd a bit about him, I think, mentally and how can I put it, the old winning mentality that Sunis used to talk about. He has that in abundance. I think he's got the the mindset to play for a big club. And I think he knows he's got a challenge in his hand because obviously there's four top centre-halves now that are going to be vying for positions here. Uh, and I think that he's trying to get to a unique selling point and that he is by far, and away our most dangerous defender, probably our most dangerous player altogether, in the opposition box that's at pieces and it goes back to what i saying seen every minute and go about set pieces and their, their importance for breaking deadlocks in games like that that could be the deciding factor that if, if all four are fit and Gerrard's uh, to make a decision he may be sitting there saying well Catties could be useful in these positions because defensively we may not get tested that much today but at the other end it's going to be stuffy, it's going to be tight we need a wee bit more in our armory for, for these kind of things so at I, I, I thought last season goals and Cattage at the start of the year were pretty good and dovetailed together for a couple of players that just joined Rangers and hadn't played together before. I thought they were pretty fantastic all through the early European rounds. And I think Worrell came in and there was a definite difference in dynamic in the centre-halves. Um, so I, I have no concerns about Cattage whatsoever here, now, in the future. Um, and I think it's a very, very good problem we've got in that we've got four good centre-halves because Edmondson impressed against uh, um that team we don't like to mention, and uh, you're not going to spend three and a half million on a Swedish international centre half, and them not be competent. So we have got extreme strength and depth for the first time in that position for a long, long time, and that can all be a good thing.
0: Alex, he um, mentioned it there. Andy mentioned it there. That. We've got this competition for places and that back four. And already, I think we're seeing slightly different strength. I'd suggest that Goldson is pretty much nailed on for a place. You know, yeah. Stephen Gerrard speaking yesterday, and I'm not debating folks whether or not that's right. I'm just saying this is what I think is the case, which he said he's a vice captain for a reason. He's a leader. Um, and I thought, yeah, he's, he's playing and it's him plus one generally. We'd assume it would be Hellander because the money that was spent on him. But Even already, we haven't seen much of so he's hard to judge. But uh, Edmondson looks as though he's a bit quicker than the other two in terms of the recovery tackle and a better user of the ball. So it looks that it could well be a horses for courses job here because there will be games where you're not... As concerned about the defensive side of things, but you need somebody that can bring the ball out quickly from the back, which would seem to favour Edmondson. You might look at games and think that we're going to be right up against it today, so we need the guys that are, are the best, the best defenders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a lot of options, maybe in a position that we are not as a support kind of used to having options. We are generally they're the first two, and then they're the the backup.
2: Yeah, and we kind of, and then what, what, then what happens when one of the the first two is injured or suspended, we all have a collective uh ourselves, don't we? Getting into any sort of game because because we've got to bring in whoever. So um well then again, you know, it's not that long ago that even our first two had this collectively shighting ourselves quite a bit. Um yes, it's it's nice to see. I think what people I, I, I don't know if if it's maybe just ourselves, if it's Scottish football fans in general. Um we don't we've never really got used to this idea of rotation at centre half. Uh, it's never been something that was done in the past and even when rotation did kick in even when Walter Smith had a team that he rotated a bit, he tended to try and ask his centre-halves to play 60 games a season together um, and then you look at somebody like Gerrard's trying to emulate Liverpool, right? he's trying, he knows he's never going to get a team here that's going to be as good as that, but he wants to have that mindset, that elite mindset at Rangers. And you look at them and it's pretty much just Van Dyke and whichever one of the three is fit, available. You know, it's never Matty uh, Gomez and, well, it was Lovren. They, they rotated a fair bit. It was never, you know, a set two. Um, that's a team that just won the Champions League. This notion that you need to have a set centre-half pennant or a set-back four to to succeed. It's no longer really the case. Uh, Goldson's nailed on for the most part. I don't think we'll be asking Goldson to play 60 games again this season, though. I think we'll get the odd game where we're confident enough that he can be rested uh, and, you know, bring in, say, start with Katic and Herlander, for example, once Herlander's up to speed. Uh, The best part about Cattie, you were just pointing out, playing so well, and he has stepped up, I think, um, and improved even more. It means that the £3.5 million defender doesn't need to be rushed in, and that's going to help a lot. We know that we've got, we've already got good options there. It's not like last season, where we spent a couple of million pounds on Grejda, who wasn't fit, he wasn't ready. Jamie Murphy was injured, we'd sold Windass, and we almost felt as though we had to throw him in the minute he was fit, and it didn't work didn't work for him and all the pressure was on him because he was a big signing. We don't need to do that with Hairlander and it gives him a bit of time to get fit and get set, which is not a position we've been in very often when we've made money signings in, in recent years.
0: No, no, that is true. And you're right, he can adapt before we're really needing to use him week in, week out, which is which is always handy. Andy, you were at the match yesterday. Um, as mentioned, Andy is a bus convener. And uh, always interested in how fans are treated at the game um, from that organisational point of view as well. So it's fair to say Andy takes, even if we're on the mill game, a wee bit more interest in things like policing, stewarding, ticketing, etc. Not that you could have avoided it yesterday because there were some very frightening scenes outside the ground. Um, Kilmarnock's ticketing system failed. They uh, have a new ticketing system and it failed. And it led to some rather chaotic scenes outside in which, I think it's fair to say, Kilmarnock panicked, Andy. I, I Aye. Really, well, I'll I tell you what.
1: There, there, I, there, how many games have I been in my life? Both, quite. <laughs> a plus thousand. Aye. And yesterday there was something happened that I hadn't seen before and even caught the attention of my 7 year nephew because a flood of people came in during the game. And you ask yourself, what's harmed? What's going on? And then they stand there and they can't, they're not going to their seats. The, the steward is totally overwhelmed. And you've actually got a situation where the stadium is well behaved, given that the, you've got 4,000 bears in the place. But it's actually a wee bit of organised chaos and it's on the, the cusp of being disorganised. And that is not a good position to be in. And it, it points to wider problems, which I'm going to be quite honest with you, and I'll sound like a fucking uh, worth here. You're right. I, I, if I see something at the football that I think is potentially dangerous, I raise it to the official, I raise it to the police and I get back does to him because he does.
0: He writes letters
1: and he goes and sees them. No he does I, 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 I send emails to the police and the reason I do it is because we we know where the cost are uh lack of safety that grounds us. We know that. And I'm not gonna put myself and my family and people I love at risk because People um, in charge of football clubs and uh, stewarding and the policing don't understand it. Football fans understand what happens at football grounds. They get a sense for what's happening. They get a sense for way, way, the way it should be. And the kind of collective thought is sometimes the only thing that stops things like yesterday tipping into a real problem. So I, I, was, na- I was outside, obviously, at the but I didn't na- get caught up because... We know that Kilmarnock is a bad place for for arriving at the ground late, and I've often got tickets I've got to meet people for, it, and it's a pain in the ass because I've got to say, it and listen, you need to be there early like, because I want to get in, because if I don't get in, I'm going to miss kick-off. Mm. But yesterday was worse, and um, I mean, alarm bells start ringing when you, you walk to the turnstile with your ticket, you hand it through the wee turnstile bit to the person in there, and they've got a mobile phone with an app on it scanning the barcode. Mm. And you're thinking, say, oh, how the fuck is that going to work? But I'm going to tell you a story, a very quick story. September 2017, I wrote to the police, I emailed the Chief Inspector at Glasgow because at Partick Thistle the exact same thing happened and there was a crush and the only thing that stopped a crush turning into something bad was a good sensible and the good will and a good kind of humour of the Rangers fans that night because they were sitting there waiting to miss kick-off and I don't know, but we don't get much credit, but the Rangers fans have to take credit time and again for being put in those positions, because it happens at Pataudry, it happens at uh, Motherwell sometimes, it's not an isolated incident, and the, the authorities, because I went back to the police, and I said, right, Partick Thistle, um, that's the second time it's happened, do you know share information, because this happened at Pataudry, because it's met with Police Scotland, is it not? And the say, yeah, we share information, share information. Clearly not, because it happened again yesterday, and what happened yesterday differently? The Rangers fans took it into their own hands, and they opened the open gates, and they stole whatever they thought was going to happen. Happening. Now, what's worrying me now is that the, the media rhetoric is uh, running with a fucking disabled roof getting smashed and our fans being on the pitch, as opposed to the bigger picture here, which is Scottish football, policing, stewarding, uh, ticketing system and planning is no fit for purpose and somebody's going to get seriously hurt. I was here yesterday with uh, a 71-year-old dad, my seven-year-old nephew, and my pregnant wife, right? So I'm in a position to feel a wee bit defensive about this because um, these games aren't safe anymore. My, my feather knocked to last game, the last game of the last game of last year. Yesterday we scored the goals, and my concentration was making sure that me, and my, my mean nephew didn't get fucking smashed. Um, the the fans have got to take a wee bit of responsibility as well because that they're, they are they're going over the score a wee bit. But the reason they're going over the score is I've often said to you in jest that. Football matches are an organised uh, school trip for adults, and if you give some of them an inch, they'll take a mile, and that's just the nature of things. And it's done to um, the police and the stewards to make sure that there's a balance. Safe standing has to get introduced as soon as possible because what we've got just now is unsafe standing. Nowhere are you go in Scotland do we sit down. Does any we, Same for Celtic. Any away support? Generally, it doesn't sit down. So, what happens is you've got a position where it's not actually safe. I want to stand at the football, I want to be safe at the same time. Um, this is a major problem, and I'll flap bump my gums as long as you want, but somebody's got to start listening.
0: What concerns me a little bit uh, about the reaction, because I think Andy's covered, and we all know, Alex, why this is appalling, um, yeah. because we don't need to look far back into the sands of time to to see what can happen. Um, And you're never far, unfortunately, from tragedy if it's not managed correctly. What disappoints me is there's still this knee-jerk reaction from the media and people in authority to blame the supporters. It's the same every single time, um, and they focus on that rather than just accept the responsibility. So, well, you opened a gate. Well, yeah, because it feels there was going to be a crush. No, 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 you did it so people could get in for free. Uh, come on, seriously, uh, why does it have to be adversarial? Why can't you just say, all ah, right, you know, this went wrong and this is what we should have dealt with it? Why the, the tribalism? Why the immaturity? Seems to be the default
2: setting, doesn't it? It's not about, I don't mind um, opposing clubs or opposing fans having, you know, a dislike for Rangers, but it goes beyond that. And then that then becomes, I think we've spoken about this before and people think we're overreacting but I, I'm not one for that David, I think I think that's fair to say I don't think Andrew I don't think you are either they're, well, they're dehumanising the Rangers fans, especially the away crowd are, are very much just this, this group of supposed neanderthals, I mean they've actually been described as that before by people right uh, they're not really treated as people it's this troublesome, before they've even done anything wrong, they're criminals and it's um, and that's how that's, you know, that's the attitude towards them. So the problem we've got, it, it's not, you know, no one's going to hold their hands up when the big bad Rangers fans were in any way involved because it's clearly the big bad Rangers fans fault every single time. I think we'll, we'll obviously come on to a couple of things. We're willing to, to accept that a couple of things where well, there was luck involved a lot yesterday, uh, that there that, that wasn't something serious happened. And, and I think everybody has to acknowledge that, um, you know, the Rangers fans to take their side of it, but Kilmarnock have to as well. They have to, and the media should be pressing them to do that. Um, as Andy says, you know, open that gate up. That wasn't a Kilmarnock decision. That was an absolute necessity or something bad's going to happen here. Um, the, the roof to the disabled section. Now, you know, the the, the nonsense idea that it was deliberately destroyed, right? Let's, let's, let's get... That doesn't even deserve a... No. It doesn't even deserve a response, right? It doesn't. I mean, that was obviously not the case. But neither do I think you know. I'll admit that you know, kind of ignorance of it or not malice isn't much a defence either. But I'll tell you what, haven't seen the footage because obviously I just seen the you know the aftermath of it. I never noticed it at the time. Haven't seen the footage since. That's not a roof. No, it's <laughs> like, not. It's do you it's know what I mean? That's, a to die on this. that's um, like for it to fall through with as little happening on it as was happening. That's uh, that was you know. Again, I'm happy for. For, for everybody to be able to take responsibility there, for people to say, you know, there was people who shouldn't have been doing that and we're fine with that, but come on, have to be able to. And it turns out that, you know, they were warned over a year ago um, about the, the problems of this and they were told that before the public were to use it, it should be replaced. And that never happened. And there you go. It was just sheer luck that someone wasn't seriously hurt yesterday. Um, and absolutely everybody um, has to be able to hold their hands up and say that. There's... But, you know, as you pointed out, as Andy pointed out, it's just um, nobody needs to take the responsibility if Rangers are involved. It just falls on us every single time. Yeah, that's
1: it. Let's get a deal card. See, the thing is, and this is what's getting missed, it's the responsibility of the football clubs, the police and the stewarding and the licensing of the stadiums because if you're risk assessing a football match, it is a variable that there'll be folk there we drink in them. It is a variable that'll be folk there with fake tickets strike It's a variable that'll be folk there with drugs. It's a variable that'll be fought there with smoke bombs. That is a fact of life in terms of having football supporters in any one place, especially in the numbers we carry. It's therefore their responsibility to mitigate for that, prevent it from happening, and make sure that I'm safe. It's just like saying a pub, you've got to have a factor in the, the fact that folk are going to be drunk and some might like to fight or some might have a knife or whatever. It's a licensing issue as well as the police and the and the clubs. I think they've kind of shut themselves. I think they've actually thought to themselves, we've made a completely nutter balls up at us yesterday because I think things have come out even today about the, the council having looked at it previously. Um, I think there's a lot of questions about it. Somebody has got to take responsibility and if we get fined for it, that is one thing, but you you can't have a uh, total uh, responsibility put on the fact that Rangers have had some fans that pushed the envelope too far because they were allowed to. This is a licensed environment; they shouldn't have allowed to. That's not to us.
2: It's the old uh, trial by sports scenes kicked right off as well, uh, by the way. Because um, I, and you know, like maybe I'm being over. I, I don't think I'm overreacting. Maybe I am. They went out their way to highlight, you know, what was it part of the commentary, wasn't it? And the and the highlights was get those idiots off the pitch or something like that. Mm. Um, Aberdeen fans ran out of the pitch when they scored the 85th minute winner against Hearts yesterday. You wouldn't have known that from BBC's highlights. You no. they they very quickly cut away from the celebrations just to show you a couple of replays of the goals, and then suddenly the highlights were done. Right, but there was Aberdeen fans on the pitch. Now I I don't actually have. I, if you're celebrating the last-minute winners, it happens. And I, I don't really have a major issue with people running on the pitch. I think it's getting a little bit ridiculous up here, personally. And that all stemmed from when Hibbs
0: done it, and then there's been a bit of a reaction to that. See, this is my take with it. And just just on the thing, a couple of, of points. Firstly, that disabled section at Comarnec is a disgrace, um, and it's appalling that disabled supporters are putting something like that. Uh, and they were warned by East Ayrshire Council that has come out today, um, they did know about it. They need to deal with it. They need to be held responsible. But don't dance on a roof, right? I mean, even if you think it, it's safe and it should be safe for you, d- don't just don't do it. And I get, oh, it's the heat of the moment. Okay, but just just don't, right? The pitch invasion stuff. I, I, I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man here. See this? Oh, it's the heat of the moment. No, it isn't. I've been going to football for thirty years, right? This is a recent thing. That's creeping out And not at Rangers, not just at Rangers It's happened at quite a few other clubs You used to see it once in a blue moon And it would be a massive result Or a huge game, or a really tense game And that I got right. That's hysteria, people get caught up in it I've been at Rangers away games The last wee while Where people have been talking about doing it You know, after an hour If if we get one (laughs) right, we're going on Uh, It's become a thing Um, Among the young team the very young team, incidentally, I mean here, you know, the, the kind of... The, the very young teenagers. It's a daft boy thing. And we need to treat it like that. That means not saying, oh, well, it's going to happen. It's not. It doesn't need to happen. It didn't for years. It doesn't. You can celebrate. You can go mental in the stands, incidentally. I mean, the the last old-firm game... Uh, uh, sorry, the, the first old-firm game at Ibrox last season, when Rangers scored, I ended up about 40 feet away from where I was to start with. But... It was I. I. I wasn't on the pitch. Nobody was. You don't need to do it, but it's become a thing. Look, I was on the pitch. I got my photo taken, social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we need to be growing up about it and say, look, it's mainly youngsters. Let's just get them told it can't happen. Don't do it, and it will stop. We need to stop it being a fashionable thing. It's the happy slapping of football crowds at the moment, uh, <laughs> and I don't. I do think there's a bit of a kind of look at me element to it than that. But you cannot take these two incidents and then say, which means it was entirely all the fault of Rangers supporters, typical, um, we knew it, let's move on. You can't do that because eventually someone is going to get badly hurt. And when that happens, it's the responsibility of, of the football club involved. It's the responsibility of the police. It's the responsibility of the stewards. This is your job. Whether or not you think it's fair, that is what your responsibility is. That's what you signed up for. And you have, as Andy pointed out, a duty of care to the people that are in that stadium. Will some people in a crowd of 10,000 yesterday maybe be a bit arsehole maybe be a bit drunk? Yes. Will the majority? Not even close. And therefore, you have to treat everyone with respect If there are people that are hell-bent on causing trouble, and I don't believe there are, then get them out. If there are people who are a bit daft, then let's get them told, don't do that. And let's not treat absolutely everything like the world is ending. Mm -hmm. Because the reaction to that just gets people's back up, encourages the other clowns. And this is why sports scene, I think, is so pernicious. Because it encourages other fans to think, oh, it's just Rangers fans, and dehumanise them. As you said, Alex, it's typical of that scum. It's fed by the national broadcaster, and that's pathetic, and it, and it absolutely has to stop. Okay then, folks, uh, moving on then, uh, before we, we go anything. Oh, incidentally, by the way, just on the hypocrisy of the press, today the front page of the Daily Record had an article titled, uh, the headline said, Mayhem! And included uh, criticism and uh, horror. At yet another pitch invasion. That's a quote at the top of the page. They were advertising a magazine they were giving away, which was called Pitch Invader.
1: <laughs>
0: Honestly, it's like something from a from the Daily Mash. Yes. It is, it, and that shows you the rank hypocrisy of the media in scotland and that's before you get to uh, the holocom pr piece on saturday with uh, scott brown in which he i don't know if anyone saw this in which he said he would like uh, a gay player to to come out at celtic so he could support him and i thought i wonder if scott brown's the type that walks up to old ladies in the street and goes do you need to cross that road and, no son i was just <laughs> oh, no come on hen "No, no son seriously i just i, I need to stay over here you're getting all that fucking road right it'll be great So uh, there's going to be some pressure, I think, putting a a Celtic player this week to make a big announcement, (laughs) (laughs) particularly one he was planning to do. But um, it's that sort of vapid nonsense that passes for journalism these days that leads to this crap and I think is very unhelpful in the circumstances. But um, let's move on to Thursday night then, Andy. Off to Denmark. Tough game. Um, but Rangers have been offered, uh, I think, a reasonable route into the Europa League group stage this time, because if we win this, we've avoided the, the Serie A and the English clubs, and uh, if we were to get through this, we'll play either Lesia Warsaw, a good side but struggling at the moment in Poland, or uh, is it Amitronos? Um,
1: I think I'll, that's I'll do. <laughs>
0: else. Um, not easy. None of these games would be easy, but not impossible.
1: No, the last word in the pitch invasion is that uh, if you see me on the pitch, you'll know it's time to party. That's for sure. Oh, I'm going on the
0: pitch at 55. I'm a hypocritical <laughs> twat, I admit that. Um, and I'll just tell you just now, cops. Um, but <laughs> but I'll promise not to do it if we score a goal even in the last minute against, you know, Hibbs. But uh, no, 55, forget it. All bets are off. Even if I'm not at the game, I'll be on the pitch. Trust <laughs> me. Uh,
1: so back to Europe. Yep. The, this is... Um, that this is something that this route to the group stages is something we should be looking at and saying that is what we are capable of. This shouldn't be beyond us. It's going to be tough. I think we've got a very tough tie in Denmark. To be perfectly honest with you, before we can even start thinking about uh, Poland or Greece, I think um, Michelin have kind of uh, built a reputation over a couple of years of uh, got a bit of money behind them. they playing a competitive league, which is probably of a Similar standard, probably better than our own, and they start the season a wee bit earlier than us, which always makes me wary of, of teams for Scandinavia because they're, they're just a wee bit sharper and further along the line than us. So, I think we've got a, 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 a bit a, not a problem, but I think we've got a, a major task on Thursday to, uh, to make sure that we come back to Ibrooks with a, a real fighting chance. I would take any draw. You gave me a wee goal, i bite your hand off just now. I think, um, I actually think, as Gerard has alluded to, that the fact we're playing against a team away from home first and a team that probably expects to... You're probably sitting there thinking, well, we need to get a couple of goals up to take to Ibrokes, because they'll know that Ibrokes could be formidable. But um, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think um, I think we're, we're looking pretty good in terms of playing away from home and the three midfielder thing you are talking about there uh, earlier on at the top of the show, David. And Alex was, I think, that's suited to Europe because it just gives you that added dimension of uh, protection, and then it allows your your three forwards, and then potentially your 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 one of your your backs to overlap. I think that's ideal for way from home. So I don't know if you'll change a team much. I'll be interested to see if you change it much for that team uh, for yesterday. Um, but the thing is, you've got options now. You could bring in Kamara. You could bring in. Uh, Stuart, you know Stuart Jones for about a counter-attacking pace. Um, I, I'm I'm confident, but I think it's going to be very, very tough. And then if we get through, I think we can beat either a jar or uh, your Greek team, You just uh, so finely pronounced, David. The, the Greek lads,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, as, as they will be known on this show. Alex, if there's one thing I want to see from a Rangers team away from home in Europe, and uh, over the years, and I'm talking excellent ranger sides as well but over the years i haven't seen enough and that's don't be frightened of the football treat it with a bit of love when you get it because too often in europe we can be guilty of hot potato
2: yes um do we all remember uh certainly during the manchester run the Sporting lisbon away game where about 20 minutes in we looked like uh Properly good team keeping the ball And I think one of us was like What the hell is going on here?
0: We've had great players over the years But we've gone away from home And just haven't retained the ball The way we would normally Whether it's the heightened expectations whether it's, But I always think you know it's different in Europe You give the ball away if you're Rangers in the SPFL You'll get it back pretty sharpish Let's be honest, more often than not You give it away in Europe You might not see it for five minutes
2: yeah, but interesting with this one though because um, the teams in Denmark um, th- that league's quite physical as well. Uh, plays a bit like the, the Scottish league. I, I, Andy was saying, you know, a bit, bit more depth there, a bit more competition there. But uh, but you know they are quite the, the teams there are based upon their kind of physical attributes as well. So in some respects, that that's an interesting draw for us. I'm not sure. I haven't seen an awful lot of them. I've been trying, you know, get highlights and stuff since we drew them um, because I was pretty confident of beating progress. But uh, I've not seen a lot, if I'm honest. Uh, people that I trust describe them as slightly better than Osiek, but not as good as Maribor, um, from last season.
0: But we had to play. If we're honest, we had to play well to beat Maribor. We had to have a really we good team. Really course. well to beat Maribor and then Alan McGregor had to play like
2: Superman. Yeah, no, we leg like, we got a bit of luck. Yeah, if we're honest. Um, Nine, I think it's what is it? Nine away games for for Gerard now in Europe. There's been two wins, Osieck away, which, on reflection, good battling win. But you know we we carried some luck in that one in St Joseph's. Um, so there's a little bit still to be proven there. I know we've had some good performances. The, the result away, for example, uh, the Villarreal was a cracker. Um, and I know that you know it's, it's harsh because most of those draws have been you know good results on the face of it because they've got us through the qualifier, but. Uh, but yeah, there's still a little bit to... If we feel as though we want to be in a strong position from the first leg, still a little bit to be proven that we're able to go and do that. Um, like Andy, I don't know what he's going to do with the team. Um, plenty of options to rotate, but I don't know if there'll be too many changes. Can't imagine Can't imagine a Rebo dropping out, can you, for
0: example? Um, mm-hmm. Unless see... o- only for tactical purposes. Yeah. I, I, I could maybe see, and this is maybe a bit out of left field, I could maybe see the Jack Davis-Kamara with Arebo playing on the left-hand side. Yeah, where Arfield was. Yeah, where um, Arfield was. And, possibly uh, even Arfield on the right, yeah. Or or, or Ojo and, and Morelos, but I definitely I think it will be the guys who, you know, there will be the don't give anything away mentality yeah. will kick in.
2: Yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. Um, try, I think we will try and, as you say, keep possession better than we have before and, and keep the ball and stuff. Um, try to try to dominate the game that way, uh, and then hopefully, hopefully they, they don't seem to score a lot of goals at the moment. Um, they're not letting many in, but they're not scoring many either. Suggests it could be a tight game. Any sort of result that keeps us in it, bringing them back to Ibrox where we've proven at least, you know, we've had a few very very strong European performances. Ibrooks under Gerard. Um, so we we at least know we've got some confidence there, um, and also the carrot of a good draw. Um, I, I think Andy mentioned right at the start of the program about you know that attitude, that belief when we went one each against Kelly, um, and uh, you know last season as you as you pointed out, David, there was times where if it was like that in the last ten minutes, we sort of just accepted it. Uh, and I think part of that was because I'm not sure the squad ever truly believed they could win the league, mm. and then this season. I think they maybe do and then they've seen Celtic win comfortably on the Saturday and they're looking at dropping points this early and it was both a kind of, there's this notion behind in their heads of we can win this thing and then that becomes we better win this game, you <laughs> know, um, and, and that can be a, a driving factor. The fact that we made the Europa League last season could be a big thing here where our team just has that little bit of extra belief of, no, do you know what, we are capable of getting through this. This isn't a, a, you know, a, a tie that we are not, this isn't Valeria, for example, where we got two draws off them last season. Um yeah, if Valeria were playing and in, in the qualifiers, they wouldn't be worried about it. Uh in the way that we are <laughs> um for for decent reason. But we matched them for the most part last season. So so yeah, um God, it's really, really tight, isn't it? It's just even not knowing that much about them, just all the history of Rangers performances away from home in Europe mm. does make you wonder how this is going to go.
0: I'm looking forward. I'd rather be in it than not. Um, yes. Put it that way. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. Now, uh, this is, today, if you're listening to this when it drops, our ninth birthday here at Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. Yes, nine. And what a journey it's been from a few idiots sitting around a table in my kitchen to the fully flung independent media empire you see before you today. (laughs) Um, and with that in mind, if you want to continue to help us grow and you aren't already, then why not think about becoming a subscriber? Go to our Patreon site. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's a uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash heart and hand, where you will get tons and tons and tons of new Rangers content. You will love it. You will be like a child in a Rangers related sweetie store. It's just one ninety nine per month to start. And you will love it. Please go sign up, help us continue to grow. But lads, um, as it is our ninth birthday, the English transfer window closes on Thursday. And I think therefore there's a suspicion that a few things for a lot of clubs will be done this week because English clubs will be making decisions. If I could say to you, doesn't need to be a specific player, maybe just a position, but if you were to to receive a, a birthday present for our ninth birthday, what would you like to see coming into the squad this week Andy? Another striker. We've we've got two good ones.
1: I know that and uh, the reason I want another I would like another striker is uh, I'm a great believer that you can never have enough firepower uh, in a a league campaign and uh, I think when we look back at uh, title winning teams we've had Meda Djelovic, Meda you can argue with a Morelos. I just feel that this season will be decided by firepower. And I think Celtic, I think yesterday was, I don't think you can read into St. John's games. St. John's are absolute shit, this weather. Um, I just think that we could do a wee bit more uh, option, one more option up front. And I'm being greedy here. Uh, but if you told me would I want Ryan Kent back? would. I want a really good multi-million pound striker. I'd probably take the latter.
2: Alex, um, funny enough, I'd probably take the former. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's where I would I would kind of fall. I um, kind of wide forward. I'm looking suddenly at the options there. I, I kind of I think we all assumed that Jamie Murphy would come back fit and firing, and that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. Um, either that or Gerald doesn't feel though he's always there. I don't know what, which it is. I've no idea. But he's you know he's been involved quite... Not picked in the European squad yet at all. Not that involved so far. Um, had he came back the way he was, I would have been probably looking elsewhere. But Candace away from is now. I don't know how you guys felt, but watching the Kelly game, there was a part of me like, wouldn't you mind having him coming off the bench in this one? Um, and yeah, there's a... I think there's a wee gap there. I, I, unless Jones and Stewart prove to be better than I expect them to be, uh, yes, a bit of negativity there. I do apologise, but uh, mm-hmm. unless they turn out to be better than I expect them to be, and I hope that they do, I'm, I'm willing to wait and see. Uh, I could see why. I can see why Ryan Kent's the a target for them, and if we can get him, somebody like that. Interestingly, yeah. David, you'll not. This might be the first time in a while. The English transfer window deadline Coming up on Thursday We've the game on Thursday And we don't seem particularly worried Do we? About no. losing anybody
0: No um, I, I think that There are really only two players I think would be uh, significant targets, and there doesn't appear to be uh, a big demand for them. But we will find out, obviously, um, on Thursday night if if uh, Alfredo Morelos doesn't travel. But that is something, incidentally, that English clubs maybe means they have to move a wee bit earlier. Yeah. Um. For Alfie, that they, they, they couldn't leave it to the Thursday because he'll be in Denmark. They'll need to do it on the Wednesday. Um, if I can pick one, I'll echo Alex. I'd like a really good, creative, wide-forward type um, to come in, just because we've lost Candeus, we currently have lost Ken. Um, so one more, please, just to, to balance that up. Okay, folks, that's everything from us here on Heart and Hand this week. Just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests this evening, uh, the Fun Bus' very own Venga boy, Mr Andy McGowan.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Good Pleasure to be on.
0: And positivities on Alex Staff. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And well done, though. Your, your anti Jordan Jones agenda nearly, nearly managed to get through the show without it, but it popped it. Ah, no. You're I know. so close. You're <laughs> so close. OK, folks, uh, we'll be back here next Monday. Until then, have a cracking week, and I hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Podcast Network.